Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up, please, to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. I want to talk to you a little bit, once again, this, this stewardship series that we launched last week. Today I want to talk to you a little bit about how to get a grip of your finances. I want to talk to you some about our biblical responsibilities in handling money. And a lot of times we as a, a church, we kind of skirt around this issue of money. Uh, but guys, I promise you, in order to do ministry... It just flat out takes money. I wish it didn't. I wish we could all bring a bag of apples and we could do ministry off bags of apples. Uh, I realize that would be sometimes a lot easier. But I think there's a reason uh, why, why the Lord, I don't know, allow us to even have money and why it takes money. Because really, wherever we put our money, we're going to see in Scripture, that's where we put our heart. Uh, wherever, whatever it is we're passionate about, we're going to see that's usually where we plant and put our money. So in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8, I want to share a few things with you from this passage of Scripture. The Bible says, and I've got it on the screen for you for those that may not have a copy of God's Word with you. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8, it says, Be serious. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. That may not have been the verse of Scripture that you first comes to your mind whenever you think about finances. But let me tell you something, church. There is another God out there, a false God, a pagan God. It's called the God of materialism. It's called the God of bigger and better and fancier and newer and more and more. And it's called the God of never being content with what you have. And I believe this is one of the greatest, most effective delusions by Satan himself in the quest or the search for happiness in people and especially even Christians. Many times we fall into this. And so I think we must be alert. We must be aware. We must be serious about paying attention to the enemy which is Satan. Amen? It's not the church down the street. We're not in competition one with another. The enemy is Satan himself. And we must be wise to his devices. And one of the ways that he ensnares us is by getting us caught up in worshiping and serving this God called materialism. So I want to speak towards that this morning. Let's pray together. Father... Once again, we stand in need of you this very hour. And dear Lord, we just pray that your will would be done and your work and your will would be accomplished in all of our hearts and our lives. And God, we realize, yes, it does take money to live in this world. It does take money to do ministry and to lead a church. 
It does take money to send missionaries around the world. It takes money for us to reach our community, our Jerusalem. And God, I believe every financial resource that's needed in any given ministry or church is found in the church members that make up that body. I just pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts and help each one of us to be aware of the financial responsibility that we have as being good stewards of what you have blessed us with. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Keep us in the center of your will. Teach us from your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you remember last week and over the last many years that I've always preached a stewardship message, it really boils down to just four very simple words whenever it comes to biblical stewardship. Do you remember what those words are? It starts with the word God. God owns it all. God owns everything. Let's say that together. God owns it all. Guys, you realize that once we get a handle on a biblical perspective of Christian stewardship, I believe then that we find the missing piece or the missing link to a successful, Christian, abundant, vibrant life here in this world that we live. But so many Christians I see struggling, and when I really start digging into their life, I really see that in the area of stewardship they're not being faithful. Whether it be with your treasures, which is your money, or it be with your time that you actually give the Lord. Matter of fact, this past week, Brother Mike taught class 301 at the church office. And that's our ministry class. And in that class, I think one of the key statements that made, is made in that class is this. You will never get plugged into ministry until you eliminate, eliminate the distractions in your life. Guys, we'll be all be the first to admit that life is very busy, is it not? And we get our calendars so full of things that a lot of times we even forget to even schedule time to serve and do ministry. We're too busy to do ministry. We're too busy to come to church functions. We're too busy with other things. And many times we're chasing the material God of this world. We must be wise. We must be aware. We must be on guard. We have Satan, our adversary, like a roaring lion, is seeking who he may devour. You see, I believe this with all my heart. If God can't get you as a believer and as a Christian to be evil, he'll get you busy. Somebody say amen. If he cannot get you to be sinful, he'll get you busy. If he can't get you to be evil, he'll get you busy. If he can't get you to be defiant, he'll get you busy. He'll get you so busy that you're completely exhausted by the end of the week that you have no time left for God. You have no time left for church. You have no time left for ministry. You have no time left to serve him. Hello? That's not my message today. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Hello? Listen, guys, we've got to beware. Satan, as our adversary, our enemy, is seeking who he may devour. So we must guard not only our treasures, but our time and our talents. He's gifted us. And oftentimes we as the church and we as Christians, we believers, we, we go and use our talents. We go and use those out in the world to make a living. And we don't even think about using those same talents for God and the church. 
Now, I'm not saying using our talents for the world is sinful. We do have careers and we do have jobs and we do have families to support. And we do have, we, we are gifted in different areas. And yes, we do that out in the secular world, in the, in the workforce. And sometimes I don't even think we ought to call it the secular world and the church world. Sometimes I think we get hung up on that. And I've tried to correct myself and I just made a mistake and made the, made the difference. That there really is no difference. I mean, life is life, Right? We either live life in the church or we're living it outside the church and we're living it on our jobs or we're living it in our homes and we're to live a Christian life wherever we are. We gotta guard our time. We must guard our treasures, guard our talents and be sure that we're using all of those wisely for, for the Lord. I want to talk to you a little bit today about money, specifically just about money. Guys, do you realize, and I could go to Luke chapter 16 and unpack that a little bit, but I'm not going to go there. But do you realize that money is a very little thing? In the broad spectrum of things, money is a very small thing. Why is that? Because, first of all, money cannot buy you happiness. I mean, you can have all the money in the world and you can still die and go to your grave a very unhappy person. And how many of you know some people that are very wealthy but are very unhappy? I know some. I mean, money's not going to buy you happiness. Getting more stuff or a bigger house or more cars or more land or another fishing pole or another set of golf clubs or whatever it is that we're involved in, money will never, ever, ever buy you happiness. Nor can money ever give you eternal life. I mean, for us to live eternally with the Lord Christ Jesus, money will never buy that. Money can never, ever give you real meaning in life. As a matter of fact, money really does reveal... For the child of God, your spiritual orientation. It really does show and reveal to us where we are, spiritually speaking. It reflects our relationship with a holy God on how we spend and how we use our money. Guys, you realize that Scripture has a lot to say about money? I'm going to throw up a few little stats here for you about Scripture and money. Do you realize that 16 of the 38 parables spoken by Jesus deal with money? 16 of the 38 parables spoken by Jesus deal with money. Do you also realize that one out of every ten verses in the New Testament deal with money? One out of every ten verses in the New Testament deal with money. Here's another one, and I think I mentioned this last week in passing, but I wanted you to see a little bit of it here. Scripture has 500 verses on prayer. How many of us would agree that prayer is a very vital part of the Christian faith? Hello? Yes. It's so important that we spend time in daily dialogue and prayer and talking and communing with a holy God. It's very important. Do you realize in all the Bible there's only 500 verses really spoken about prayer? There's less than 500 verses spoken on faith. How many believe it's, that it's very important for us to be faithful, for us to exercise our faith, for us to live out our faith, for us to place our faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ? You realize there's less than 500 verses that deal with our faith. But get this one now. A lot of times we don't want to hear this. There are over 2,000 verses in the Word of God that deals with our money. But a lot of times as a Christian, as a child of God, we say that, my friend, is off limits. Talk to me about my tre- talk to me about my time, talk to me about my talents, talk to me about prayer, teach me how to pray, talk to me about faith, talk to me about being faithful, but preacher, do not talk to me about my money. Hey, I know. I've preached on this subject for over 20 years now. I know that the temperature in a room drops so fast when the preacher starts talking about money. I realize that. 
But you know what? What drives me to preach on this subject? Because I know that one day I've got to stand before a holy God and I've got to give an account to Him on every word that I've spoken, every doctrine I've preached, and I must declare unto you the entire whole counsel of God. And God is very much concerned about what we do with our money. Over 2,000 verses in the Word of God is on the subject of money. It's such an important part of the Christian life. It's a very important issue because our attitudes oftentimes are a reflection of money. Our relationship with God oftentimes is a reflection of money. Our fulfilling our purpose in life, our fulfilling the abundant life that Jesus promised that He wanted to give us, oftentimes is in direct conflict with our obedience or our disobedience, I should say. With money. So I want to speak to you a little bit about money. Before I do, I want to share a little story with you. There was Herman and Henrietta. And Herman and Henrietta was a, a middle-aged couple. And Herman made very good money. And his wife had a job. And she had a career. And she made very good money as, as well. But it turned out that they really didn't need Henrietta's money. So Henrietta just kind of stored up everything and... And Henrietta, they bought him a new house. And they bought, all, bought this brand new house with Henrietta's money. And they're walking through their brand new house, no furniture in it, but the house had just been completed, just finished. And they're admiring their, their, their brand new house, and they're very excited about it. And Henrietta looks over at Herman and says, Herman, if it had not been for my money, we would not have this house. Herman never said anything. Later that day, the delivery truck came, and it was a tractor-trailer filled with furniture to put in this brand-new house, all brand-new furniture. And they bring all the furniture in, they start putting all the rooms together, and a beautiful arrangement of decor and furniture and wall hangings and all of that was put into place. They're admiring it later after the guys leave, and Henrietta and Herman are walking through the house, and Henrietta says, you know what, Herman? If it wasn't for my money, this furniture would not be here. Herman never said anything. A couple hours later, there was a special, very expensive piece of furniture that they were waiting to be delivered. The doorbell rang. They opened the door. There was a truck. They bring in this very special piece of furniture, and they put it in the living room, and the guy leaves after setting it up for them. And Henrietta looks at it, and her and Herman both are admiring it. And Henrietta says, you know, Herman, you know where I'm going with this. We would not have this very special piece of furniture if it were not for my money. This piece of furniture would not be here. Finally, Herman heard all he could stand. Herman finally looked at Henrietta and said, Henrietta, I don't mean to hurt you, but I must be very truthful. If it were not for your money, I would not be here. (laughs) Well, we can take that for what it is. A lot of times people put way too much stock in their money, don't they? Hello? We've got to be careful we do not allow money to define us. Let me talk to you. I want to share several biblical principles. About eight I'm going to share with you. I I can't sit and unpack all of these. I'm going to hit them in passing and hopefully and prayerfully be done in about ten minutes here. Let me give you eight principles or eight responsibilities that I see in God's Word that we are to be responsible for. Number one, jot this down. On the back of your worship folder, jot, jot these down. I promise you I'm going to go fast. I see some of you chuckling. I'm going, to, I'm going to beat you today, okay? I am going to finish this thing quickly. Number one, you are responsible for financial planning. Number one, you are responsible for financial planning. In Luke 14 and verse 28, it says, For which of you wanting to build a tower does it first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? 
You see, financial planning is biblical. As a matter of fact, financial planning is a, is a means of good stewardship. Financial planning is a means of the freedom from the God of materialism. And God wants us as good stewards with biblical values and biblical principles and biblical goals to sit down and financially plan out how we're going to spend and invest and even give our money. Number two, not only are you responsible for financial planning, I told you I'm not going to hit these long. I could. I could build a whole, I could build an eight week sermon on these eight points that I'm going to give you, but I'm not going to do that. Number two, you are responsible for financial discipline. You are responsible for financial discipline. I love Proverbs 14:23. It says this, there is profit in all hard work, but endless talk leads only to poverty. You see, I believe there must be some disciplines that we put into our life. If our financial planning is to work, it's going to require discipline and commitment for that to take place. There's important disciplines that we must put in, in place, such as spontaneous spending should never be a part of a good steward. Just to spontaneously drop thousands of dollars on something, that's not good planning. That's not good biblical stewardship. We must have some disciplines built into our life. And we've got to have more than just good intentions. I'm reminded of the church at Corinth. And boy, I'd like to unpack this one. The church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 in verses 1 and 2. Here's what the Apostle Paul told the believers, the Christians at the church at Corinth, to bring their offering, bring their tithe on the first day of the week when they come to worship, bring their offering. They had wonderful intentions of doing that. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verses 10 through 11, you'll find that the church at Corinth did not follow through with their good intentions. I mean, they heard the, t- the, the teachings from the Apostle Paul about tithing. They heard the teachings about giving. And they had wonderful intentions of bringing the tithe to the storehouse on the first day of the week. But you get over to the second letter that Paul wrote to church at Corinth, and you'll discover that they had wonderful intentions of giving, but they never did really follow through with it. Why is that? A lack of discipline. And guys, if we're going to live under the abundant blessings of a holy God, if we're going to take Him to task and test Him in the only place in Scripture where God said to test me, it's in the area of our tithe, and we must build some disciplines in our life. Amen? Thirdly, you're responsible for financial management. You are responsible for financial management. Now, I'll say this, and it may be a little bit of an overlap with financial planning, But financial management has to do with you being extremely faithful and devoted and committed to giving everything and spending everything that you have in such a way that you are aware that it's not really your money, that it's God's money. That's what I'm saying. Whenever I'm talking about being responsible for financial management... The term itself, if you, listen guys, let's just say that, I'm going to use Becky, please, let me allow me to use you, as, as an example. She's got a brilliant business mind. She is brilliant with numbers and accounting and investing and spending and buying. And she manages 
the Ace Hardware store here in O'Fallon, I believe also the one in Belleville, she manages both of those stores. I mean, but let me ask you a question. Does she own it? No. At least last time I checked, I don't think she owned it, okay? She doesn't own it, but she manages it. But she manages it in such a way that the owner is going to be profitable. In other words, he's going to be pleased with the way that she manages. Now, I believe I even heard her say that she, she manages some of his personal finances. And he'll call her and say, hey, Becky, what can I do? How much can I spend? Blah, blah, blah. I, that's, that's a guy that owns things that has great respect and trust in the person who is managing his assets. And whenever I talk about us being responsible for financial management, I'm simply trying to drill home the fact that we've got to manage the money that God's blessed us with, understanding that it's really not even my money. It's all God's money. Does that make sense? Hello? Oh, I know that doesn't go over very well. But I want you to know it's the truth. Every dime you have, everything that is in your possession, I want you to know it's a blessing, it's a gift from a holy God, and He's trusting you to manage what you have well. Can I share with you a principle that I believe to the depths of my core? Now, I don't tell this to everybody, and here I am going to tell it to everybody. But I believe there are some people... Have you ever seen those people that are just blessed financially? And man, it just seems like everything they touch turns to gold. And it seems like they're just blessed. And I love to find those people, especially when they're good Christian people. And, and then on the other hand, you look at some, some Christian families and, and individuals, and it seems like they're always struggling financially. Could it be that maybe the struggle that we have financially is the fact that God is not blessing us financially because we're not being a good steward or a good manager of the little that He's given us? Hello? Now, you may show up for the very same church service. You may be involved in the very same activities. You may read your Bible just like everybody else does. But the point is, you possibly are not managing your money well. And why would a God who owns it all give you more money to manage when you're not even managing what He's already given you well? Hello? You see, I even take that principle into the church family. Why would God even bless us with more church members if we're not managing and taking care of and shepherding those that He's blessed us with already? I mean, it just, it just goes on and on in our lives. I think we must be responsible. We must take that responsibility to manage all that we have in a way that we are aware that God owns it all. 1 Peter 1.17, the latter part of that. It says you are to conduct yourselves in fear. You are to conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your temporary residence. In other words, what that means is while you're living, conduct yourself in fear. That's talking about in the reverential awe. In other words, a deep consciousness of who God is. And I'm conducting myself in a way that I realize, that, hey, I am His. He is mine. Everything He's blessed me with is His. I'm, I'm really acknowledging God in everything, in every decision, even in the money that I make. Hello? Number four, got to go. I, I said ten minutes. I may have already blown it. You, you're responsible, number four, get this one, for working. You're responsible for working. You realize that one of God's basic ways of meeting our needs is for us to work? And by the way, guys, remember that Working is not the curse. 
the fact, if you remember, before the fall in the Garden of Eden, God had commanded Adam to tend to take care of the garden. So the fact that he's working before the fall tells us that the work is, working is not a curse. The fact that you get tired now and you sweat and you're sore after a hard day's work, that's part of the curse. Hello? I love the scripture in 2 Thessalonians. In short, it says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Hello? I'm kind of up to here with our society today looking for a handout from our government. I I feel like I'm the only person in the room today. I'm up to here with everybody wanting a handout. Get off your lazy tail and go to work. Somebody ought to say amen. You ought to applause. You ought to be thankful somebody said that. Go to work. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, if you don't work, you don't eat. And by the way, he's commanded the church, don't put them in your benevolent program if they are not working. You mean we're to let them go hungry? That's what Jesus said. I didn't say it. You go, you go for a long enough time without some food, you'll get off your tail and go to work. Hello? Am I just being too straight here today? I, I don't know. Listen, we've got to be respond. We've got to be working people. As a matter of fact, the Bible also tells us whatever you do, do for the glory and the honor of God. We ought to be the best employees on the job. We ought to be the best ones in the Air Force or, or the Coast Guard or whatever it is we're involved. We ought to be the very best one. Tommy, Tommy, I'll be the best one at Lowe's. And I believe he is. That man walks around with a smile on his face at Lowe's. I mean, he's serving and working and going. Listen, why? Because we're representing Christ. And the Bible says if we don't work, then we just don't eat. Hello? We've got to be careful not to rot. Ah, this, this may be too much inside information to give you, but there's an evaluation process that, goes that, that, that people go through before we cut folks a check out of our benevolence fund. Brother Eldon oversees that. He does a wonderful job with that. Hello? We're responsible for working. Number five, you are responsible to save for the future. You're responsible to save for the future. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. We're responsible to save. And we've kind of trained our children and, and ourselves, and we, we try to live on the 10-10-80 principle. And that's that first 10% goes to God. As a matter of fact, I encourage you to try to bump that up. That second 10% goes to yourself. We need to save a little. 10% to God. 10, pay yourself. Give yourself 10%. When you get paid on payday, pay yourself again. Because if you're like me, most of us go in for bills. Right? So pay yourself. Have you worked good that week? Save a little. to the Lord, right off the top, first and foremost. Another 10% into savings. And then live on 80%. And J.C. Penney, the owner of J.C. Penney, founder of J.C. Penney, kind of started that principle. And then he kept bumping it up and bumping it up and bumping it up until finally he lived off 10%. He gave away 90%. And that 90% that he gave away, most of that went to the church where he was a part of. Hello? We need to learn to save some money. And, and boy, there's some biblical guidelines I'd like to give you on saving. There's about seven or eight of them, but I don't have time to share those with you. I'll post them this week on my blog, and you can read those. Number six, jot this down. You must learn to be content with what you have. I'm talking about being aware of Satan and his devices and us not following this materialistic God. We must learn to be content. Philippians 4, 13, 11 through 13. The Apostle Paul's writing says, I've learned how to get along happily. Oh, boy, if we could just learn that. I've just learned how to, how to be content with what I have. Man, we just need to learn that, don't we? I've learned the secret of contentment. Boy, we need to learn that. We need to learn to be content. I think that's in and of itself enough. 
Number seven, we must be on guard to the temptations and the messages of this world. And once again, there's my first Peter 5, 8 passage. Be careful, be watchful, be aware. We have someone that's attacking us. There are thousands of messages every day, whether it be on the Internet, on the TV, on the commercials, in the store displays, whether it be salespeople, whether it be the radio, whether it be billboards on the side of the road, whatever it is, there are all types of displays to get us to do this one thing, to get us to buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we really don't even like. And we wind up in bondage to money. So be on guard to the temptations of the world. And number eight, you must evaluate purchases according to biblical principles. Before you make a purchase, you need to ask yourself, do we, have, do, do we or do I have complete peace about this with no doubt? Do I have peace that this is what God wants me to purchase? Do I have peace this is the direction that the Lord would have me to go? Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of heart that comes from Christ always be a part of you. Uh, and there's more I could say. We need to evaluate our purchases. Guys, I'm simply just trying to say this. We need to be good managers of God's money. It's all His. You may work, but He gives you the ability to work. You breathe His air. You walk on His earth. You work on His ground. Actually, you're working on His time. And He's given you His money. And we need to manage it well. Let me ask you a question. Have you given your finances to the Lord? I mean, really, have you allowed Jesus not only to be the Savior of your life, but to be the Lord of your life, even over your finances? And I reach back to where my wallet would be if I had anything in my pockets while I preach. But I don't. But that's where it would be. Where is it? Are we allowing the Lord to be the Lord of our finances? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know what your need is here today. I hope and pray that, that first and foremost, as Pastor Paul's shared communion with us and led us through that and given us a time to evaluate our lives, I hope and pray that you've done that. So I hope and pray that the salvation part of your life is settled. But what about the complete lordship of your life? Have we really given everything over to the Lord? Could we honestly say... That the way that I manage my finances, can we say that's pleasing to the Lord? Would He be pleased with the way you're managing your finances? Have you honored Him with your tithe? Have you given Him the first fruit of your increase? Are you making wise possessions? Are you managing things in fear, in reverence of God? Are you at perfect peace with purchases? Are you aware of Satan's devices? Are we guarding our heart in the area of finances. Guys, we need to be good stewards of this. You want God to bless you? Start being a good steward. Be a good steward of your money. Ask God to bless you. And you can only ask God to bless you as we're being obedient. We're bringing our tithe to the storehouse. We're giving unto God because He first gave unto us. We're acknowledging that He owns it all. And we're managing things well. And we're seeking His guidance in whatever it is that we purchase. Father, right now I place this in Your care. I realize this isn't popular preaching. But God, there's so many principles in Your Word that deal with money. And help us to be good stewards of that. Help us to be good managers. 
God, help us in this area. I pray if there's one here today that just today needs to turn over the area of their finances to you. I pray that today will be the day that would take place. Today will be the day that would happen. Forgive us, God, for where we failed you in maybe this particular area. We repent of that sin. Help us to be good stewards. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I ask you to stand. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, Fallon, Illinois. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.